0: Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. Hey, what's going on, guys? Coach Lucas back here with the Vigor Life Podcast, and uh, actually, I've been excited about this episode for quite a while, since, uh, since definitely since I read the book, uh, Raise Your Game, which I'm sure I'm going to pitch As you guys know, I love books, and if I love something, I I pitch it hard, but uh, today, our special guest, and it's my pleasure to introduce Alan Stein, who has, uh, I'll I'll let him dig into this a little bit, but it was very relevant for me because he's worked with for the last 15 years with some of the top basketball athletes on the planet, champions, winners, uh, and has been involved uh, behind the scenes in that world. And and the book is a kind of, I would say, collection of principles and lessons on how to succeed um in in any area so you know this is great because it's for coaches it's for business owners it's for entrepreneurs it's for athletes so it is my pleasure to welcome you to the show today alan
1: oh my goodness it's my pleasure to be here it's uh this is going to be a really fun conversation based on your love and experience in basketball as well and i know we'll be able to take a lot of these principles that have very high utility and show folks how to apply them to any area of their life as you said so perfectly in your setup Uh, Whether it's business or life or really any other area, uh, this same stuff will apply.
0: I completely agree because right off the bat, you know, when I when I started reading the book, and and you do such a great job of kind of uh, creating some lateral examples of how this—it's not just, you know, oh well, here's an example of a top-level athlete that did this, but this is how it also applies into, you know, the world of business or in the world of your personal life. And for me, I I went from being a pro athlete to. You know owning a business and being a coach for athletes and, and other I would say general population in the transformation field and it's so you know as I read back and I look back and it 's so relevant and what I wanted to do was almost you know really squeeze the juice out of the orange in this episode um, and, uh, and challenge you to uh, kind of share these principles that are the most powerful and there's a lot I mean obviously there's a lot of them in the book but what are you know the most if you had an hour of of, you know, sitting in front of a crowd and, and, and going like, these are the things that I believe, you know, really create a foundation uh, for success. And I, I'm, I have to start with, I'm, I'm going to let you roll after this one, but uh, it's almost impossible to, to not start kind of with the foundation of self-awareness. But, you know, it, it can be such a word in the ether, you know, where uh, I, I want like these good examples of how that shows up for you know, an athlete or a business owner and why self-awareness is so important and why it's almost like uh, everything has to start there. Could you talk a little bit more about that?
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. I'll actually, I'll peel back the layers a little bit further. And I'd say if I had to summarize uh, not only the book but my philosophy on what it takes to be successful, it would be something that I learned directly from Kobe Bryant back in 2007 when he told me that the reason he was successful is because he never gets bored with the basics. So I would actually say the concept of never getting bored with the basics and respecting and appreciating the fundamentals of whatever it is you're trying to improve, that might be the foundation to which everything else is built. And yet, as you just said so insightfully, I believe the most basic fundamental for all of us Is self awareness that that's where it starts with knowing ourselves first, um, so that one, we can become the best version of ourselves, but two, then we could have a a similar impact over others when we're building a team or building a business and what have you. Um, But when folks tell me, you know, ask me, can you summarize the book? Uh, I say, don't ever get bored with the basics. And, you know, I know that in my heart, I know that it works because. Um, it's been kind of the defining principle that's helped me in everything that I've ever done. Uh, but I also acknowledge that that's not the sexiest answer, that, that most people want something with a little bit more uh, flair and a, you know, a little more sizzle than just getting the steak. And, and they're always looking for shortcuts and hacks and, and new things to help them improve performance, when really all you need to do is continually master the basics. And uh, as you know, having been a very accomplished player yourself, the, the basics in the game of basketball are very obvious. Uh, it's footwork, it's shooting mechanics, it's the, the skills of the game uh, shooting, passing, rebounding, defending, and handling the ball. Those are the basics. And when you work to master those fundamentals, you elevate your potential uh, to be a player. Um, the key is for anyone else listening right now, that's not a basketball player, which I'd imagine is a lot of folks is figuring out what are the basics of what it is that you're trying to improve? You know, what are the basics of your business? What is the the quote unquote footwork of your business? Uh, If you're trying to improve your marriage, what are the basics of having a a committed and deep connected relationship? Uh, If you're trying to improve as a parent, what are the basics of being a great parent and uh, these really aren't for me to decide for other people. This is for folks to look internally and say, all right, here's what my business does. Here are the basic components we need to be successful. And this is what we need to focus on.
0: I love that. And it's actually, you know, to kind of piggyback on it, you, when you say know thyself in a book, you talk about, Hey, what, what do you do really well? What do you need to improve on? And what is the plan for addressing number two? And that's kind of where you're going with this, with, with, uh, essentially the process and, and where you kind of dig into the methods and tactics and strategies and, and then practicing those. But what, you know, as, as a coach, you know, what do you do when, and especially in this day and age right now, where it seems that, you know, it's kind of like the shiny object syndrome, not being able to um, pay attention to things. It's harder to pay attention because of social media and just, just a lot of distractions. You know, how do you go about getting a player or, you know, uh, an entrepreneur focused on the basics and helping them kind of buy into it, I guess, at this point in time?
1: Well, there's a few things. Uh, One, you know, one of the old adages of coaching is that which gets praised gets repeated. So part of it is if you are a leader or a coach or a CEO, you know, um, when your folks are focusing on the basics, you need to praise them you know, catch them doing something right and then acknowledge it and show them how much you appreciate it. Uh, It also has to do with clearly defining the expectations and being able to say, you know, as your coach or as your boss, these are the things that I value most. This is what I need from you uh, for your role and for you to contribute to this team. And then just make sure that what you're sharing with them are those, those basics and let them know, hey, I don't need you looking for shortcuts or hacks. Uh, I have the recipe right here, I've got the script. You don't need to change it. What I need you to do is commit to doing these things to the best of your ability. And, and I do wanna make sure that, that I'm clear that I'm not saying that someone only needs to do the basics. I'm saying that they need to constantly work towards mastering them because those will be the fundamentals. You know, I'm not implying that a guy like Kobe Bryant uh, didn't master more advanced moves or more advanced techniques, but he only did so after he, he built the foundation with the basics. Um, you know, since basketball is such a, a visceral example, you know, um, I'll take my children, for example. I have 10-year-old twin sons and an eight-year-old daughter, and they'll watch Steph Curry do a move on YouTube, and then they'll go out to the, their court in their backyard, and they'll try to mimic that same move. And, and I know they're doing that because they're 10, and I did the same thing when I was 10 with Michael Jordan, but I'll tell them, look, you're skipping steps right now you're trying to master a move that you haven't mastered the fundamentals that go into that move. You know, that that move is a combination of four or five basic moves, none of which you've mastered. So you're actually being very disrespectful to the game, disrespectful to the process, and disrespectful to yourself when you're trying to skip those steps. So when you're trying to get other people to buy into that, uh, it, it comes with clarity, it comes with letting them know that you value it and find it important, uh, it's about setting a standard and an expectation, and then most importantly, when you see them doing it right, make sure you praise that.
0: Man, those those are great points. And you know, you you shared this example of um, you know your kids seeing Steph Curry do it and then mirroring that, right? And yet and yet them breaking down and explaining to them that there's different components to it. I, I always talk about that, like in uh, an example of a snatch. Not that we do a lot of snatches, but. You know, go hey, listen. A snatch is made up of a, you know, of a deadlift, a clean, a overhead press, overheads. Like it's a number of different things that you have to get good at before you put them all together. Now, it, it, but this this rings something out to me, right? And and I, I wonder about this: how important is it? You know, is the, how important is the environment? Because, you know, when you talk about these greats uh, like Kobe Bryant, and I know you worked with Kevin Durant, and you know, to see others seeing their role models and the people that they want to be like doing the basics how how important have you found that to be as far as a confirmation you know it's a confirmation that like hey you know what yeah maybe this is boring but the greats are doing this and i should do this too and maybe some examples of how you use environment to to help you know uh, whether it's players or ceos or entrepreneurs uh, improve the
1: direction of where they're going well, environment is everything especially when it comes to behavior and creation of habits um, you know, I just kind of gave the, the the punchline to my uh, Kobe Bryant signature story, which is when he said, "You know, I never get bored with the basics." And you know, at the end, I'll uh, remind me, or if you do show notes or what have you, we can put a link to me telling that full story in there, so folks can really get appreciation for it. But I've used that as my opening story to every keynote talk that I've ever given, and and I don't name drop Kobe Bryant to make me look better. I name drop Kobe Bryant because it gets the audience to buy in and to listen to a higher degree. You know, I I have a thousand examples that I could give of somebody working on the basics, you know, even in my own life, but no one cares what I do. uh, And I respect that, I say that with a laugh, but the moment you mention Kobe Bryant was doing this, then all of a sudden people go, okay, uh, that's somebody that certainly had mastered his craft and ascended to the top of his field, So if that was good enough for him, then it should be good enough for me. And and that's one of the reasons that I I intentionally tell stories of these elite players. Again, it has nothing to do with trying to, to add to my credibility or build me up. It has to do with my number one job is to get the message across to the audience, is to convey and communicate a message that will be practical and applicable to them that they'll remember. I want it to be sticky. And as soon as you use the names of some elite level people that have done these things, it automatically becomes very very sticky, uh, to the point that when you know Kobe Bryant obviously passed earlier this year, I mean I was inundated with hundreds of text messages, emails, and social inquiries and and DMs of people that said, Hey Alan, uh, you spoke at my company six months ago, and I'll never forget that Kobe story. You know the best never get bored with the basics. Like they remembered that, and the reason they remembered it is not because I'm the world's greatest storyteller, is because I was able to connect the dots with someone. Uh, um, that they really respected and admired in Kobe Bryant. So, yeah, environment is everything. And, and that's why when we as leaders and as coaches can use these different examples, it's very, very helpful. I mean, even my own children uh, would prefer to hear a story about Kobe Bryant than hear a story about me when I was a teenager. So, I need to use that to my advantage. And, you know, environment, um, James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits, which is a phenomenal book. Uh, talks all the time about how important environment is and that we should be creating environments intentionally that reduce friction for the things that we want to do and increases friction for the things that we don't. Uh, You said earlier, and you were 100% right on the money, that at this time, you know, the year 2020, we're all bombarded by distractions every second of every day and a good portion of them are digital. Uh, And I'm certainly not gonna argue that point. But what I can say is if you're disciplined enough and you don't want to be distracted, then simply turn off your phone or put it in the other room or close your laptop. Like you can create an environment that reduces the chance that you'll get distracted. Um, Now, yeah, someone could still walk into your room or office and interrupt you, um, you know, but generally speaking, if you turn off those things or put them somewhere else, you decrease the chance that you'll be distracted. So um, we can't hide behind and say, well, I can't get things done because I'm distracted. Uh, No, uh, you've created an environment that's actually making it easy for people to distract you. And as soon as you change that, then you'll see your behavior change. I, you know, it's, it's almost like we planned this transition right here, which, which
0: I love because, you know, you're uh, and I, I feel like we actually buy like one of the gifts that we give to our clients as they sign up is Atomic Habits because it's so relevant to helping people understand, you know, building habits. And, you know, one of the things that you talk about also in the book is discipline in, in, you know, this conversation, discipline versus habits. I definitely want to dive into that because you make so many great points about you creating your environment and then environments triggers our behaviors. And so, you know, for, for everybody that think, you know, uh, one of the things here you say to be disciplined is to carry incredibly high standards for yourself. It's making those lofty standards, your baseline, meeting them, and then trying to exceed them, which I absolutely agree with. But then diving into, you know, um, uh, like willpower doesn't work as much right as, as creating the right environments and understanding behavior change. So how do you know, in, in, in your eyes, what are some great ways of things that you found that build discipline, you know, backing it up with this behavior
1: change science? Well, it, it comes down to always being able to connect it um, to kind of your your end goal or what it is that you're trying to get out of it. You know, Simon Sinek talks a lot about connecting to your why and, and finding your deeper purpose. Uh, and to me, that's, That's what will always keep you connected to that. That's what will keep you inspired. You know, uh, discipline, and we can define it in a variety of ways, but, you know, I I consider discipline to be, you know, doing what you're supposed to do, even if you don't feel like it, you know, doing what's right, even if it's not convenient, Um, doing what's needed to be done, even if you don't want to in the moment. Uh, To me, that's discipline. And you can set up, as James talks about all of the time, you can set up systems and processes that improve that make it easier for you to stay disciplined. Uh, I had made a post uh, a couple of weeks ago that that I actually was inspired by someone else's post. I was not the one that came up with the idea, but he said something to the effect of, you know, I get up early every morning to work out and people say something like, I wish I was that motivated. And his answer was, this has nothing to do with motivation. Uh, This has to do with discipline. What you should be saying is, I wish I was that disciplined and you can be if you choose it. You know, he said, there's just as many mornings that I wake up and I don't feel like working out, but my discipline kicks in and I do it anyway. So it's about creating those habits and those behaviors. And a good portion of that goes back to what I said before of connecting it to the reason that you're doing it in the first place. You know, why do people get up and exercise? Uh, Well, maybe it's so they'll aesthetically look different. Uh, Maybe it's so they'll have more energy throughout the day. So they will be a better performer. Uh, Maybe it's because they're worried about their long-term health and they know that making little deposits today will yield a big withdrawal in the future uh, in their health, Um, but they find a way to connect it to that and say, hey, I want that thing so bad that I'm willing to be disciplined enough to get up early and do something that I really don't feel like doing this moment. Uh, So again, it's, it's a combination of creating environments and putting systems and processes in place that increase the chance you'll do that. And, you know, if you think about getting up early to work out, um, well, part of your system and process should be going to bed early the night before. You know, you're more likely to get up and spring out of bed if your body and mind feels well rested. So get the sleep that you need to get. You know, come up with some type of routine. You know, if, if you like to meditate in the morning or have some coffee or listen to a certain type of music, like build these things in that will link together to make you more likely to do those things. So, um, you know, we, we have more control over our environment than we often give ourselves credit for. And, and the last thing I'll say on this, I know this was a mouthful, uh, environment is not just the physical environment, which is what most people immediately think of. You know, there's also the emotional and, and, and mental environments that we create. So who you surround yourself with. You know, if, if the five people closest to me all live very healthy lifestyles, all of which work out regularly, all of which get up early, all of which eat healthy foods, if that's who I surround myself with, then I'm more likely to do those things as well. So it's not even just physical, you know, we need to make sure that mentally, emotionally, and physically, we are creating environments that are conducive with what it is that we're trying to do.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. I've always been a fan of uh, the idea of collecting role models and um, this, the science of, you know, we adhere to the standards of our tribe. So if we surround ourselves with a tribe with high standards, I mean, if, if you're a basketball player and you're, I don't know, 15 years old and you get to go and train, a couple of times a week with Kevin Durant and Kobe Bryant. I mean, that becomes your standard, right? You're around them. You'd heard to the standards of, of those people, which are the highest standards. I've, I feel like that's such a, a powerful way to set yourself up for success is, Hey, surround yourself with people that like push to be the best in whatever area it may be, right. Whether it's sport, whether it's business, whether it's family uh, you know, relationships, any of that stuff. and, for, for me, like I love the practical examples, and, and I was going to kind of dive into that a little bit. Maybe, maybe it's something in, in your own life that kind of comes to mind that where you wanted to change something, how did you go about changing it with certain habits, and how did you set up an environment? Or maybe it's a story of, a, of an athlete that you work with that was struggling with something, and you know, there was this awareness and revelation and putting into place new habits. Is there a story that's a practical story where there was a big shift? Um, and how, that, how you went about that or how that athlete went about that?
1: Well, the, the biggest story that comes to mind was uh, the first time I met Kevin Durant back when he was 15 years old. And, you know, I'd watch Kevin play a little bit, and, and it was very obvious to me that, that he was a tremendous athlete, uh, that he had a very high basketball IQ, uh, that he had a very high passion for the game. Uh, he was incredibly skilled. He had all of the tools. But the only thing that was very apparent that he was missing was uh, strength and power. I mean, he was, he was rather um, slim back in the days, that's why they call him the Slim Reaper, uh, but he was rather slight of frame. Uh, so I knew that that was potentially gonna be something that could prevent him from being the best college or NBA player he could be. Uh, so I had to do some convincing to get him in for a workout and I took him through a really, really challenging workout that first time and um, I mean, really, really tough, probably too tough. And I remember asking him at the end if he liked the workout and you know I'm expecting him to smile and say that was the greatest thing he's ever done, uh, and instead he said, "No, coach, I didn't like it, but I know this is what I need to do if I want to be the best player I can be." So it it made me realize, um, you know, sacrifice is always going to be involved, but that you have to make a decision to make these types of changes, you know, and and he made the decision that eventually playing in the NBA, which was his ultimate goal, uh, that long-term goal was more important than the short-term. Um, discomfort that he was going to experience going through these workouts, uh, so he was so attached to that um, that he was willing to make those types of sacrifices and 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 that 's something I think uh, all of us should be able to give some some thought to is you know what 's the best way that or what are the best sacrifices that we need to make in order to get the things that that we want to get and then over time you know we it, we worked together where uh, I would Actively try to make the workouts more enjoyable to him, you know, pick exercises that he liked and, and do certain things that, that, that he, he would enjoy doing more. And he also broadened and opened up his mindset to saying, you know, okay, um, I, I can have some fun doing this. So you know, while that first workout might not have been a whole lot of fun for him, over time, we found ways to work together. So it became, I guess, less of a, a teeth-pulling sacrifice. But really the, the the key answer to what you just asked is, we all need to stay very open and humble to changing our ways and to being open to other people's coaching and to feedback and find ways to be able to make this progress. And it all starts with openness, humility, and, and being, as we call it in sports, coachable. But I think people need to be coachable in every area of their life.
0: That le- yeah, that leads, I mean, because because you cover in the book, you, you kind of break it down in three parts, which is player, coach, and team. And it's a lot to go through here. And there's so many coaches, you know, th- this podcast, as uh, I would say, the, the highest percentage of people listening are certainly coaches. And um, that's really where I wanted to, out of those three areas, I really wanted to uh, focus on those. And specifically these three, three parts, which is culture, servant, and character. Um, and maybe flipping it around a little bit and, and talking about character first, when it comes to being a coach and like, you've done that extremely successfully in your career. Uh, you know, when it comes to character, and I, and I feel like we live in times where I always like to say, you know, crisis reveals character and, uh, you know, talking more about, you know, how do you build character and the right type of character that helps you become suc- a successful coach and a successful, you know, human being?
1: Well, the first thing you have to do is you have to live it. Uh, We have to model the behavior that we want to see in our players or those that we lead. We have to model that first. Uh, And uh, I'm reminded of that every day as a parent. You know, I can talk to my children about being respectful to others or I can make sure that they always see me being respectful to others. Um, And the latter is going to carry a lot more weight. People will always um, take what you do over what you say if those things are not in alignment. And then of course, if they're not in alignment, uh, you're undermining your own integrity and your own character. You know, I, I think the, uh, it's a little bit cliche, but, but character is the ability to do what's right when no one's watching. And, and that's something that I think is super duper important uh, for coaches to realize that um, if you're going to tell your team that you value character, then you have to live that in every area of your life. You know, you, you, you can't tell, uh, another example, I'll just use my kids would be, Um, You know, I tell them that it's very important to be honest and that you, you know, that folks of high character don't lie. And then they hear me take a phone call and the person asks if I can do something and I say, no, I can't because I'm doing this right now. And my kids are like, man, daddy just lied. And he's not doing that right now. He just told that person he was, he just lied to someone else. So that would be an example of me telling them how important it is to be of high character and tell the truth. And then I turn around and do something uh, and they see that that's not the case. You know, if if you tell your team that they need to show up a few minutes before practice uh, and they need to be fully prepared, and then you roll into practice 60 seconds late and you don't have your practice plan and you're not prepared, once again, those things aren't in alignment. So there has to be alignment between our beliefs and our behaviors uh, in order to, to really and truly live a life of character. And then similar to my answer before, um, when we see someone do something of high character, we need to praise it and we need to call it out, you know, especially if what they did uh, is out of the ordinary. You know, during during the time of this recording, uh, you know, we're dealing with a lot of social injustice and social unrest here in the United States. You know, there's plenty of opportunities for folks to go above and beyond to serve others and to help others in ways of very high character. And while they shouldn't be doing it for the sole purpose of receiving praise, I think it's very important that we do acknowledge it and we do praise people that do the right thing. So if you're trying to build A culture of character then it starts with making sure that you have high character and you only let people quote unquote on your bus that also have high character and you hold them to that standard Uh, and then the last thing i'll say is uh, don't confuse that with lapses in judgment or making mistakes you know i do very much consider myself a person of high character and high integrity but you better believe in 44 years of living on this earth I have said and I've done some things that were really boneheaded. I've had some severe lapse of judgment and I've said and done things that are not in alignment with the type of character that I'd like to believe I have. And and I've had to learn from those. So this is not about when someone makes a mistake that we condemn them and say that they're a bad person or they're not of high character, we have to have some grace and some compassion and know that all human beings, even though the ones with the highest character and integrity are still fallible and are still gonna make mistakes. But we hold them accountable with love and grace and then we make sure that they learn from it. Uh, anyone that habitually does things of low character, then I think you can make the argument they're just not a high character person. Those, those are all great points. I got, there's a question, you know, when it comes to character
0: and, and maybe when did you do this in your life? I, I know at the beginning stages, you know, and even when I was in my teens, my later teens, I certainly didn't, but now I do, you know, picking and choosing what your beliefs are. I mean, writing them down and, you know, if, cause we have core values, for instance, for our business. And it took me a while to actually like write them down and go, okay, well, this is the value you know, what's the tagline and what, what behaviors are associated with that? You know, do you do that, whether it's for yourself or with the people that you coach to actually bring them to light? Because I think sometimes I hear people say, like, you know, oh, yeah, I want, I want to be a person, of character. But if you ask them, well, what are the traits that you want to embody? You know, what, what are these behaviors that you want to uh, have on a daily basis to
1: bring out your character? Like, do you, do you ever do that, whether it's for yourself or for clients? Oh, absolutely. In fact, um, I, I'm drawing a blank on where I read this. It was recently. It wasn't that long ago. And, and I'd, I'd love to be able to give the person proper credit, but they have an exercise where they basically say, uh, and this isn't just having to do with character. This is with anything that you're, uh, any value um, or goal that you have is like, okay, like write, write that value on the front of an index card. And then on the back, write, you know, the traits that you need To to live in order to have you know to live out that value Um, if that's going to be kind of your moral compass or uh, if you have a goal on the back write the process steps of what you'll need to do to achieve that goal Uh, and that's where you start to connect these beliefs and behaviors because as you just said so brilliantly um, lots of people have the beliefs you know I believe in these things but then they don't their behavior is not congruent with that their behavior is not in alignment I mean I, I think you know, most people believe in being mentally, physically, and emotionally fit, but most people don't do the, the work necessary to achieve that. So same thing with character. Uh, you can talk all you want about character being one of your primary core values, um, but then as you just said, you need to define that and put on the back of that card, all right, what, what are some of the things that would uh, be an example of or live out this, this value of character? And these are the things that I need to commit to doing regularly
0: yeah i love that that's a great example but and i'm glad i'm glad that i got that out of you because uh it's so practical and it's it's perfect i do i mean i i just for me it's always even with these conversations um kind of having this higher level principle and then you know digging in into okay what are the things that you can do today after you get off you know from listening to this and actually put it to to action and start living that um and that was a, a fantastic example um you know, the next kind of thing that I wanted to zone in on is this, uh, I would say essentially on being a servant or being a servant leader and you know, how that has, you know, going back to examples of who's who's somebody that's inspired you or maybe was the role model for you at first of, you know, seeing, wow, this person's a servant and like, I want to be like this and I want to show up like this in my life for, uh, my players, my my family, you know who might have been somebody that inspired you, and how did that look like? What was the trigger for you?
1: Well, the first would definitely be my father, who I, I still consider the the consummate servant leader. Um, I mean he was certainly the leader of our family, which is is what i I learned first, but uh, he also spent thirty years as an elementary educator, uh, started as an elementary school uh, teacher, and then progressed up to being an elementary school principal, and then finished his career uh, as in uh, middle school principal, and then retired 20 years ago, and for 20 straight years has been volunteering uh, at a f- uh, foster care company uh, or organization down in South Carolina, where he and my mom moved to when they retired. Uh, so he's definitely the definition and the epitome of a servant leader. And really, the, you know, servant leadership 101 is the mindset of, it's not about me, it's about you. It's, it's not devaluing yourself. It's not undermining your own self-care. Those things are important, but it's basically saying, you know, my agenda is making sure that your agenda gets taken care of. You know, as a coach, it's being able to say your goals and the things that are important to you as a player are now also important to me as your coach, because my goal is to help get you there. And, you know, I, I, I use the term servant leadership uh, because I think it, it adds an extra layer of the connotation of it but in all reality we shouldn't have to say those two words together like i don't think we should have to say the word servant i don't think you can be a leader and not be a servant leader mm-hmm. so it's kind of like that um, uh, the phrase tough love you know they say that if you're really honest with someone and you you hold them accountable that's called tough love well you don't really need the word tough in my opinion that is love if you love someone you hold them accountable if you love someone, you tell them the truth. If you love someone, you are tough on them when they need you to be tough and in the way that they need you to be tough so that they can improve. So I, I, these phrases are, are important, and I still use both of those, you know, those phrases to help make sure that I'm communicating my message. But in theory, uh, we can just say love, and we can just say leader because it should automatically include those other two words. I love that distinction right there. And um, so- a, a, you know
0: I, something that comes up sometimes when it comes to like being a servant and I've certainly dealt with this where you know you're looking at as a servant you want best for your team best for others what do you do in scenarios and situations when you know there's somebody and actually connects well to culture with this question which which I wanted to move on to next but it you know when there's someone that is not bought into maybe the team right and you have and now you have this tough decision like you're looking out for them but that person is not necessarily looking uh looking out for what I like to call for the good of all right the good of all to me is well the good for of me but everybody else also you know how do you deal with that scenario because i've 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 seen this you know play out where it's like oh you're not being a, a servant and, and yet at the same time the servant should look out for the team and sometimes there's a person that uh d- doesn't i guess Adhered to the standards of the team, the beliefs of the team, the culture of the team, and that means they need to be cut out. But what are, you know, how have you dealt with that or um, see that? Because it's a situation – we coach a lot of gym owners too, and you know, these are the things that come up on a weekly basis when I'm, when I'm talking to people. But I'd love to see your viewpoint on that.
1: Well, first and foremost, uh, just, I just want to make one clarification that the very first step to being a servant leader or to being a leader of any sort – is self-care and to take care of yourself first. You know, there's an old adage that's been around a lot longer than I've been breathing that says you can't pour anything out of an empty cup, which means if you don't constantly take care of yourself mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, if appropriate to you, if you're not constantly filling your cup, then there's no way that you'll be able to serve others or lead others to the degree that you're capable of. So the reason I make that distinction is um, the mindset of it's not about me, it's about you does not mean I'm not gonna take care of me because I'm so busy taking care of you. In fact, the best way that I can take care of you is taking care of me. And I know that may sound like verbal semantics and, and I might've even lost some folks because that sounds a little bit confusing. Um, but the very first thing all leaders need to do is pour in themselves first so that they can be uh, of most value to everyone else. And you know, I know at the time of this recording, uh, the NBA is not currently on, uh, although I did get word today that it will start up again at the end of July. Um, but in order for the Lakers to have the best chance possible to be successful, LeBron needs to show up as the best version of himself, you know, as the leader of that team. If he shows up and he didn't get any sleep and he isn't hydrated and he isn't well-nourished and he hasn't done his, his corrective exercises or his stretching and he hasn't done the things that prepare him uh, to be the best player he can be, then he actually gives the team less of a chance to be successful. So first and foremost, I want to make sure everyone gets that and understands that. And, and the, it's sad because some people think, when you make time to fill your own bucket, that you're being selfish. That, that if, I, if I tell someone, look, I can't do something early in the morning because that's when I meditate and work out, that, that that's me being selfish and nothing could be further from the truth. The fact that I'm willing to guard and protect my time so that I can fill my bucket and thus pour into others throughout the day is one of the most selfless acts that I can, I can have. So that's part one. Part two, which I love that you bring up is you're on a team and someone's not fully buying in, you know, they don't have the full buy-in and believe in to, to live out the culture and have the behavior that's expected. And I think as a leader, the very first thing we need to do is make sure that we're not casting any blame or pointing any fingers or making any assumptions or judgments. You know, we, we want to be very careful about saying, you know, this person isn't doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, one of the most powerful words in the English language is the word yet, uh, which is me saying, you know, uh, Luca hasn't bought in yet. You know, Luca's not doing what we need him to do yet. And that just means that, hey, we're going to put some, some dots behind that because there's still potential for that to change. And then as a leader, uh, I always want to look in the mirror first. So before I start blaming you for not buying in, I wanna look in the mirror and ask myself, have I done everything possible to get Luca to buy in to, you know, to our team concept or to our standards or, or to our culture? And if you're being honest with yourself, you most likely haven't tried everything possible. You've probably tried what's easy, uh, you've tried what's right in front of you, but if you're willing to look at it as a challenge and go, okay, I've got 14 members of this team locked and loaded on the bus and in the right seats, but Luke is just not there yet, you know, uh, forget about being in the right seat, I can't even get him on the bus with me, that's on me, you know, how have I tried to get him on the bus before, because clearly that's not working, is there another way that I can approach him, or another way to try to inspire him, you know, whatever I've been doing has not been successful, so let's try a different way, so I, I think anytime, and I know that's much easier said than done, You know, I know it's incredibly frustrating as a leader when you felt like you've done everything and that person still isn't listening or, or cooperating or giving their best effort. It's very frustrating, but take away that frustration by not putting the onus on them and putting it on yourself.
0: That's always, that's always hard to hear. Even it's, it's funny and interesting that as you're saying this, you know, I I might bring a situation in my mind and I'm like, ah, have I really done everything? Probably not, you know, like definitely a very, very tough thing to, to, to deal with. But, you know, I mean, that's the reason why I brought it up too, because it's, you have to have that self-awareness and take the ownership and responsibility um, to, to do better and maybe find a a better way in a different way.
1: You know, one of the things that uh, Mike Jones, the head coach at DeMatha, you know, and I believe he learned this from Morgan Wooten, legendary hall of fame coach was for the most part. Uh, When you win, you give all of the credit to your players. When you lose, you look internally and you take responsibility that you did not prepare them to the degree that they needed to prepare. So um, we don't like to use the word fault per se, but when you win, it's because of the players. When you lose, it's your own fault. And just having that mindset um, is important. Now, even if you know, hey, the reason we didn't win was because these guys did not play hard tonight or they did not play together or they took bad shots. Even if you know that, you still want to be able to hold yourself responsible and say, okay, well, why didn't they play very hard tonight? You know, what is it that I did as a coach or didn't do that, that did not inspire them to play hard or did not prepare them to play hard? Uh, if they didn't execute and they took bad shots, well, why are they taking bad shots? Am I somehow allowing or condoning that? So as long as you always look at yourself and, and it's never about placing blame anyway. It's about extreme ownership and holding yourself fully accountable and never skirting that over to other people. You know, one of the, the, the best things that any one of us can do uh, to improve our performance, but to improve our happiness is to get rid of blaming other people get rid of making excuses, and get rid of complaining. If you can get rid of that trilogy, it's like taking a weight vest off of your shoulders. You become emotionally more nimble, uh, you become lighter, and as I said, your performance and your happiness will go through the roof. Because anytime you blame, complain, or make an excuse, you're basically saying, this isn't my fault, this is someone else's fault. And that's an act of selfishness. You're taking responsibility off of your plate and you're putting it on someone else's. And the problem within a team environment, you know, Luca, if you and I are on the same team, if I take it off my plate and I put it on yours, well, it's still in the the boat with us. Like Mm -hmm. if if all I'm doing is handing an anchor to you, it's still in the boat. It's still weighing us down. I just took it off of mine and put it on yours. And and that's not what good leaders or good teammates do. And, you know, with everything that I'm saying right now and everything I've said in the last 45 minutes, uh, I want to make sure that your listeners know that all of this stuff is very basic in principle. None of this stuff is easy. There's not a single thing that I've shared with you right now that is easy to do. There is nothing easy about eliminating, blaming, complaining, and making excuses, especially with the world that we live in now. I mean, just COVID-19 alone uh, could give any of us plenty of reason to blame, complain, and make excuses. And, and while those things might be valid, uh, and they might be very understandable, those things aren't going to do anything to help our our situation. And and I use absolutes very sparingly and very cautiously, but blaming, complaining, and making excuses will never, ever improve your situation. So if you know that, the, the sooner you can uh, mitigate them or eliminate them, the better off you'll be.
0: Man, I love that. That's fantastic. Especially the last part of, of as far as you know, it's so easy to, you know, we talk about these things because sometimes people do look for this, I don't know, magic secret thing that, you know, will, will really help them jump four or five steps. But like you started with the, with the Kobe Bryant story, these are basic things. But to be to work on them every day diligently, that is the big challenge. And kind of, you know, bringing this all together, because I think that like, you know, uh, we also have one of the, our quotes that, like, you know, culture is everything. And when it comes to teams, I, I do believe that culture is such a big part of it. And it, it is a big kind of a big word because you know, what creates culture? And, and obviously part of what we were talking about is environment and kind of bringing this all t- together. Like, what are some things that, you know, you've done in, in what I mean by deliberately, right? De- to deliberately build a culture that is a winning culture That's a, you know, there's a culture of teamwork or anything else from those character traits that you want to build that culture. What are some ways to to do that? And like I said, not do it accidentally, because I think every business, every team has a culture, whether you know it or not, Uh, it's there, you know, even if you didn't write down those character traits or you didn't have an intention, there is some type of culture, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. But you know, how do you go about building the culture that is a successful one? Um, and whether it's a story or of, of one that you've helped build, been a part of, uh, but I, I'd would lo- love to dig into this one because I'm I'm a big fan of studying culture in every way possible.
1: Well, there's there's three pillars to effective cultures or great cultures. Uh, that's role clarity, accountability and communication but but i'm going to spend uh, i'm going to devote most of my answer to the first one which is role clarity and, and as far as exceptional cultures uh, i'll use dematha basketball now to be clear uh, i was a part of dematha basketball as the performance coach for 6 years uh, but i am not responsible for their amazing culture uh, their amazing culture started before i was even born because dematha has been on the the international map of high school basketball since 1965 when they beat Power Memorial uh, that had Lou Al Sender uh, aka Kareem Abdul Jabbar uh, arguably the best high school player to ever play the game um you know only lost one game in his entire high school career and that was to Dematha and the reason I bring up Dematha is because Dematha has been able to sustain this culture of excellence you know for well over 50 years so that longevity is absolutely remarkable. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about role clarity. Uh, in order to have a, a culture, um, an inclusive culture and one of cohesion, every single person on that team, so coach, head coach, assistant coaches, managers, and of course, every player has to know their role, has to embrace their role, and has to do everything in their power to star in their role to the best of their ability, no matter who you are. You might be the third string point guard, but you need to be so bought in that your goal is to be the best third string point guard in the country. You know, you're so proud of the fact that, that you have an opportunity to help push the starter and the second stringer that are ahead of you so that they can be the best players that they can be because you know that that's your contribution to the team. So, once you know, embrace, and star in your role then it 's important that everybody else on the team uh, acknowledges, respects, appreciates, and values your role, whatever it may be. So you might have the you know the the starting shooting guard that that scores twenty five points a game and makes most of the the headlines, but they are they are absolutely appreciative and respectful, and they value that third string point guard you know they 've they realize that they're not above the standards of the program, that they're just a team member like everyone else. And while everybody's puzzle piece might be uh, shaped differently and and might be a different size or color, everybody's puzzle piece is required to make that final picture. And when you have that type of of clarity and buy-in, and then what I'll say one step further is it's so important in this case for the coach uh, to make sure that everyone understands where and how their puzzle piece fits into the big picture you know uh, it's not obvious to a high school basketball player that's a third string point guard who never gets in the game it's not necessarily clear to them how they add value to that team they're probably thinking you know i'm meaningless on this team the guys that play are the ones that are the most valuable so it's up to the coach to be able to say no no you are so important because your ability to push them in practice and to be a great defender in practice or to rebound during workouts, you know you you 're are a major contributor to what we 're doing, and your role will continue to expand and grow as you get older and become a more accomplished player also so um, I, I think role clarity uh, in the, the descriptions that I just gave is absolutely imperative to having an elite level culture and, and I think that many times that 's actually
0: probably one of the things uh that i i've seen missing when it comes to uh building culture is that role clarity usually just isn't there it's almost uh kind of like a figuring out you know everybody figured thinking that everybody's going to figure out their role but that doesn't that doesn't just happen it has to be uh, that the role clarity has to be there and be communicated which is i you know if, if i could finish on any of the points i actually uh, I'm, I'm glad i know i know that we're uh a little bit crunch on time but communication and also communication is, is one of our core values. And I think it's another, you know, as, as we talk about the challenging times that we're going through right now, I think part of it is, you know, lack of quality communication and, and whether it's in the business, whether it's within a team, whether it's within uh, cultures and communities. And I, I would love for you to, you know, kind of riff on, on what are some key principles when it comes to communicating and being effective with it? so that you can have great role clarity, so that you can build a great culture?
1: Well, communication is everything. I mean, I think I could make a pretty compelling case that any dysfunction amongst two or more human beings is within a few degrees of miscommunication or lack of communication or, um, you know, just poor communication. So communication is vital. And that's why it's one of those pillars uh, of what it takes to build an elite culture. And, you know, communication... Is more than just talking. You know, that's what a lot of people think. It's just the words that you say, uh, but certainly how you say those words, the context in which you use them, um, you know, the the unconscious messages that you send. All of these things are a part of effective communication. And uh, not only that, we have to make sure that we realize that listening. Uh, might be the most important part of effective communication. Because if you're not asking insightful questions and actively listening to the answers, then there's no way that you can truly customize your response or customize and navigate the discussion or the dialogue uh, in the most fruitful way possible. So listening is is a skill that I believe every human being on the planet needs to continue to work on, no matter how good of a listener you may be. So I, I think it's yeah, c- communication is, is one of those skill sets that uh, regardless of your role on the team, it should be something that you're working on. And to, to really put a big bow tie on everything we've been saying, uh, this is one that needs to constantly be praised when it's done well, or folks need to be held accountable and coached or taught when it's not. But, but everything within an organization will start and end with communication. Do you, um, and this is, I'm,
0: I'm always just intrigued by this because I, I like to always share resources. Is there a, a resource that you found? Uh, you know, if, if, if you were to talk to somebody and you had five minutes and were like, they were like, hey, you know, Alan, I really want to work on my communication. And you'd say, hey, listen, uh, yes, absolutely. It's really important. You know, here's what you should check out and work on. Is there a resource that
1: you've shared with
0: others to, to help them with that?
1: To me, the best way I can describe it is is having the empathy and the compassion and the awareness to think about the receiver of the message more important than you, than you think about yourself as the person delivering the message. You know, when it comes to communication um, it's kind of like uh, in basketball, you know, I would always ask players, what's the definition of a good pass? And they would give me all sorts of answers, which were kind of in alignment and they were good guesses, but really the definition of a, a good pass is one that's caught. You know, if it's not caught, then going back to my belief of, of ownership and accountability, then it wasn't a good pass. Now, with that being said, and, and you know this, having been such a great basketball player yourself, um, not every player is equal. You know, there are some players that have such good hands and such good feet. If you just get the ball anywhere near them, they're going to catch it. And then you have some other players. I mean, you could, you could mail them that ball with, with FedEx and they're not going to be able to catch it. You know, they, they got hands like butt cheeks and they're not going to be able to catch it. So, you know, it's up to you as the person making the pass to deliver that pass in a way that gives it the highest percentage chance possible for them to catch it. Well, it's the same thing in communication. Uh, I need to deliver the message in a way that greatly increases the chance that you're going to openly receive my message, it's gonna resonate and you're gonna understand what it is that I'm talking about. Uh, So which means I have to give more thought about you than I give about me. You know, I need to be chameleon-like enough to deliver the message in a way that you'll receive it. And sometimes that'll be in ways that's not my own preference, but that's okay. Uh, Again, it's not about me, it's about you. Uh, With communication, I want to go to your sandbox to play. I'm not going to make you come to mine. And the example I use all of the time is, uh, you know, when I was a child, uh, you could put every kid into um, one of two buckets. You had kids that could swallow a Tylenol pill, and then you had kids that had to have it smashed up in applesauce in order to take the Tylenol pill. Uh, Well, our job as leaders is to figure out, can this person take the Tylenol or do I need to give it to them with some applesauce? And it doesn't matter how you like to take the pill. It doesn't matter if you can swallow the pill. If they need it with some applesauce, then it is your job as the communicator to give it to them in applesauce. And if you're willing to do that, um, then you have a greater chance of that message actually getting through. So if I had to give advice to someone, I would say, anytime you're trying to communicate a message, think more about the receiver than you think about you know, yourself and the way that you're delivering it.
0: I think that is just about as powerful a statement when you can make about communication and hopefully that resonated with a lot of people. And and just like we talked about earlier, I, you know, I knew uh, time would fly by and this is a, it's a dot, dot, dot to have Alan back on the show because this is great. And, and also, you know, if, if you guys have like there, if you're listening uh, I mean, this is just a small piece of what Alan covers in the book and goes in depth with, uh, I actually wanted to touch on storytelling too, because you do a great job with storytelling um, both here, but also in, in the book and making great examples and relaying like these, uh, these messages and these principles. And so we'll, we'll definitely talk about, they'll definitely talk about that, but I'd, I'd love to, you know, share where people can find out more about you. Um, obviously the book uh, I'm, I honestly like I, I, 48 hours, I read the book. So, oh, wow. And, and people know I, I'm a very, very avid reader. But if I can't put the book down, you know, it's it, and like I said, it resonated with me too because because of uh, so many references to basketball for sure. But it, like this is one of my uh, new books to put on the list for everybody. So oh, cool. uh, certainly a, a big fan. Uh, please let everybody know where they can find out more about the book, but also uh, follow you as – because you share a lot of great messages also on your social media platforms.
1: Oh Well, I appreciate that so much. I mean, that that, that feedback is – um, yeah. Thank you so much. Um, there's a couple things. One, anyone that is interested in the book, uh, you can go to raiseyourgamebook.com. Uh, you can certainly pick it up on Amazon. Uh, or if you'd like to listen to the book, which is I know a lot of people do, uh, I actually did the read for it. Uh, you can get that on Audible or, or iTunes or anywhere that you can listen uh, to downloadable audiobooks. Uh, if you're interested in anything else I've got cooking, uh, you can go to allensteinjr.com. I actually put up a page with a ton of free resources, a bunch of free videos and downloadable PDFs, um, and you can just go to allensteinjr.com/free, uh, and then I'm at allensteinjr uh, on the major social channels. Uh, love interacting with folks, you know, on on Instagram or or LinkedIn, uh, just drop me a line. Uh, I love to continue to have discussions. So if there was anything Luke and I talked about today that, that struck a nerve, or you'd like to, to continue the discussion, hit me up. Or even if there was something we said that, that you disagree with or have a different perspective, I'm always open to listening and hearing that as well. Uh, just drop me a line on social and, and I'll do my best to get back to folks. I love it. Definitely guys, listen, pick up the book. And then if, if you didn't like it, hit me up. And, and give me stuff about it. <laughs> but, yeah, absolutely. And you can, you, can hit me up, you can hit me up as well. I, you know, I wrote it with great intention to hopefully serve. Uh, I mean, your audience is the perfect audience. You know, these are folks that are, are coaches and leaders and high performers and high achievers. Uh, so that's who I, I think the book will be for. And, and you know, even though you and I, Luca, have a very strong respect and appreciation for basketball, I also tried to write it in a way that even if someone doesn't like basketball or watch basketball, uh, as long as you can tolerate a couple of basketball examples, there's still plenty of other examples in there so that you'll get something out of it. No, so, I, agree. I
0: agree. I agree. Absolutely. It's, uh, it, it's very, very, very relevant across the board. So I'm, I'm glad that you made that point for sure.
1: Cool, man. Well, I appreciate you. This was wonderful to connect. Uh, if you guys give Lucas some great feedback on this conversation, then I'll make sure we schedule around too, two and I'll come back on. Awesome.
0: Thank you very much, Alan. Hey guys, appreciate you. Could have been anywhere, but you're here. Make sure you take something from this and put it into action and we'll hear, well, I always say see you, but you, we'll hear from you in the next Figure Life podcast. Have a great one. Peace out.